welcome to Office Hours, the Ithacan's podcast on what professors at Ithaca College are working on outside the classroom. I'm Salisa Kalakal, the opinion editor of the Ithacan. I'm here today with history professor Jonathan Ablard, who recently gave a presentation on a barber strike in Buenos Aires. So could you first give um, a summary of the presentation for people who might not be aware of what it's about? Sure. This is a paper I gave at the Mid-Atlantic Conference on Latin American Studies in Charlottesville. And the title of the paper is Proletariats in Ties, Labor Organizing and Strikes by Barbers in Early 20th Century Buenos Aires. And so basically, it's a sort of introduction or sort of brief history of strikes that barbers made in in Buenos Aires in the early 20th century. Um, And I kind of look at how the barbers organized, uh, what their unions were like, what their newspapers were like, because the barbers actually had their own special newspapers that they that came out once a week. And then I looked a little bit at how the strikes in general operated, uh, who was involved, who wasn't involved, who was opposed to them. Um, I look at issues like strike breakers and strikers who, uh, barbers who perhaps were supposed to be on strike but would secretly cut people's hair for fun. It started in a very accidental way. I'm, I'm a historian of 20th century Argentina and I've been doing some projects on the draft. And so I was looking through old newspapers from the early 20th century and I was doing this research and I saw a, an article that had nothing to do with my project, which was basically that in 1902, about 3,500 of the barbers in Buenos Aires went on strike um, for about two weeks. Um, and so I kind of got drawn into this as kind of a side project, other things I was doing. So one thing that I thought was really interesting in the paper was you mentioned how the barbers, they interacted a lot with people from the middle and the upper class. So how did their proximity to upper class people um, kind of impact their their labor movement? So I, I think the question of, of barbers and, and class is, is very interesting. There are a couple of layers to it. One is, of course, barbers worked in shops that were situated across the city from working class and poor neighborhoods to very wealthy cities. And so barbers would have very different sort of social experiences at work, depending on where they were cutting hair. And so working class, barbers working in working class neighborhoods would have been cutting the hair of their neighbors and probably people of similar ethnic background or religious or political backgrounds, whereas barbers who worked in elite barber shops would have, on one hand, been paid more, most likely, but also would have experienced a kind of um, tension between uh, their their own personal identities uh, and the people that they were working with. The other thing that makes class interesting and complicated is that a great number of the barber shops were owned by people who had at one point been barbers themselves. And so the it, it becomes a kind of interesting window, and I'm really at the beginning of the project, but it becomes a really interesting window to kind of think about how all these different social encounters operated in the country. So Buenos Aires was a city of immigrants. It was probably more than half of the male population in the early 20th century were from Southern Europe or Eastern Europe, um, some from also from the Middle East. It was also a very politicized city. So the anarchist and syndicalist movements and the socialist movement were very powerful 
in the city, less politically, more socially, and in terms of how labor was organized. So a lot of these barbers would have belonged to immigrant collectives, immigrant communities, but they also would have belonged to anarchist or socialist unions, but also they would have read socialist or anarchist newspapers. So there's a kind of whole culture around work and ethnicity and national origin and politics um, that barbershops kind of provide a little window into that rich world. What was distinctive to you when you were looking at this labor movement? Like what was really distinctive about the barbers and what they were doing? One of the things that was f- interesting was I, after I found this first article um, that was actually published in the socialist paper La Vanguardia, I went to look at some magazines from the time period, um, one in particular that was called Caras y Caretas, which was a kind of weekly cross between Time magazine and People magazine. And every time there was a barber's strike, they would do these sort of satirical cartoons that kind of made fun of the barber's strike. So there's one where it was during the 1906 barber strike where it shows a guy who discovers that he can't get his beard shaved. And by the end of the cartoon, he's got a beard that is so big that, you know, he can't get, he loses his job, his fiance breaks up with him. And so it was just a sort of satire about the idea that barbers would go on strike, right? Which sort of on its surface seems ridiculous. But what I discovered was that the barbers actually had really serious issues. They had very long hours. They would often work 12 to 16 hours. They had to commute all across the city and they usually had to do it by themselves because you know the barber shops were dispersed throughout this gigantic city of 1.5 million people. They also had to maintain, they had to have a uniform. Um, they had to be perfectly well-groomed when they showed up to work, they had to have their shoes shined, their collars ironed. And so this kind of created a lot of added costs to be a barber. And so there were a lot of sort of real labor issues that they confronted and you know organized around. And so in this respect, they bear a lot of similarity to workers in general. And so in that level, it's interesting. They also had a couple of issues that were unique to barbers or to people in the service sector in general, I would say. And one of them was one of the issues that comes up over and over again in these strikes was their opposition to the tip. And they wrote a lot about it in their newspapers about how the tip, they viewed the tip as humiliating. Now, mind you, the barbers that I'm looking at are men and they're immigrant and they are mostly immigrant or sons of immigrants. And so for men in this period, and probably this is true in many other cultures and in many other times, honor is very important. And so they felt that the, 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 the receiving of a tip was a form of humiliation, that it was rather than simply getting paid what the agreed upon amount for an agreed upon service, that the, the, the customer gets to sort of decide what they're gonna pay you was sort of seen as a humiliation. And in a couple of the essays that I found in their newspaper, um, they go to great length to kind of condemn the people who give tips as being egotistical people who are sort of exercising power over these barbers by deciding, I'm going to give you a quarter, or I'm going to give you a dollar. I don't know yet. I'll, I'll see how I'm feeling. Um, and this actually, uh, there were a great number of service sector unions in Buenos Aires. There were waiters unions. There were unions of people who shine shoes. The translation doesn't work in English. They're called lustre botes, which... In English, we call them shoeshine boys, but these would have been boys and men. Uh, There were unions of 
people who delivered newspapers. There was a union of people who uh, cleaned and shined automobiles. There's this rich social network of, of organized workers. Um, and these unions were more than uh, just or labor groups. They also, like I said, they published newspapers, they had theaters, they had reading circles, they had mutual aid societies so that if one of their members, this is before the era of welfare, so if one of their members got very sick, they were, there would be a kind of collective uh, pot of money that could be that could be used. I don't know where I'm going to go with the project, but there, there's a lot about sort of the everyday life of everyday people that, that really interests me. What were some of the similar goals between the different unions in the service sector? Within the service sector, some of the unions were affiliated with the Socialist Party and some were affiliated with the anarchists. And the anarchists, I know this is almost contradictory to our mind today, but the anarchists were highly organized. They had a union called the FORA, which um, stands for the Workers' Federation of the Argentine Region. And they called it the Argentine Region because as anarchists, they didn't believe in countries. So they, they referred to it as the region of Argentina. So workers belong generally to either one of the unions affiliated with either of those two groups or also with the syndicalists who were sort of an complicated offshoot out of anarchism. And I'd say their common goals were, uh, one of the main ones was to get salaries or wages up to uh, living conditions. And so one of the problems in Argentina was it had very high rates of inflation. Even though it was a city with pretty high levels of employment, cost of food, cost of rent was constantly going up. And so that there were sort of these basic material issues that bound the unions together. I think the other issue that bound them together was, was maybe a more nebulous theme of dignity. There were a lot of what the unions talked about was the importance of dignified work and that they should be. And so pay was part of it, but part of it also was a degree of autonomy as workers. In other words, that the boss can't tell you two minutes before you're going to go home that you have to stay for another five hours. And so those seem to be kind of the, the big themes. The unions, though, are interesting to look at. So the anarchist pretty much rejected the state completely, whereas the socialists we're willing to negotiate with the state. It's a really rich universe. Ithaca College this year kind of saw its own labor movement with the contingent faculty unions. Do you see any similarities between the labor movement here and the labor movement you studied? I think the conditions of the unionized group are really different uh, in some ways. Folks I study are working class people with very low levels of education, um, with relatively low levels of sort of social mobility, I guess you would say. There are some kind of themes that link them together. One that I was particularly struck with, and I, I should preface by saying I didn't, I'm not privy to inside information on either side of the story, but I was struck on the management side by certain parallels. And, and the parallel I see is the, the unwillingness or the slowness of management to simply offer concessions. I think that in the case of the IC union, I was disappointed that management administration couldn't come to agreements more quickly with regard to increasing the pay. That that was that that stayed as a problem for a long period of time. But I guess it's I guess it's kind of hard for me to compare the two, but I would say the ma on the management side that's certainly true. Looking at labor in the US Nationally, it kind of seems like the labor movement is rising again. There are a lot of other unions I've seen at other colleges. U.S. women's hockey team formed their own union um, to get better pay on parity with men. So do you think that 
right now we're kind of seeing a resurgence in the labor movement. There seems to be a strong push in the service sector, which makes sense because our economy is heavily driven by the service sector. I think that some of the early actions by the new administration, I think, are making people reassess the value of working people being organized, that threats that are emerging to sort of maintaining economic stability is in the family and the individual unit, or I think are making people kind of reevaluate that. But I, I, I mean, I've been struck by some of the organizing efforts in the last few years. For example, the fast food workers unions that have emerged, particularly in big cities, is to me is, is remarkable. I don't remember when I've seen something like that. And again, again, it's it's interesting because we think historically of unions as being important in the big economic endeavors like coal mining or steel mines, uh, steel steel plants. And so it's interesting to kind of think about the power that the service sector can have. And so yeah, I think I think we're in a particular moment where people are reevaluating unions. Thank you, Jonathan, for joining us today. With Office Hours, I'm Salisa Kalakul.